This is deep dish, right? Yeah, well, let's get deep. So, so I'm, I'm going deep on both sides. I'm Bonnie Reed. Welcome to the platform. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Now, thank you. And I'm going to refer to you as Director Reed through the interview so people know, put respect on your name when it comes to those things. Uh, you are the first, not only black person, person of color. 170 years of the University School of Nashville, USN, history. Congratulations. Thank you. Kudos, flowers given to you. Um, what does that mean to you when you think about that? Yeah. Just initially, how does that hit you? Well, I had so many reactions when the opportunity to come to USN sort of arose. Um, first, you think about a school that was started in 1915 and its, in its early origins has only had 11 directors. Mm -hmm. So it's a school that has a long time commitment to leadership, a long time commitment to the community. So to be able to, to step into that role, that's a tremendous honor. Right. Um, as a kid, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. I grew up in public schools. I don't take that for granted. I, right. I ended up in an independent school by the time I was in high school, but I didn't have any leadership that represented who I was mm -hmm. until I found my way to an independent school where there was a head of color. He happened to be Hawaiian, but there was somebody else who I started to be able to see myself in those roles. Right. So for me to be in this, in this space, it's an honor, and I hope that it helps my community right. see that every one of us could, could be a part of leadership, could be a part of changing culture, right. and be a part of having an impact. Let's talk about your journey into the educational sector. Is that what you always inspired to be growing up as a youth? Like, I want to get in education. Yeah. Um, yes and no. Okay. It, it was one of those things in the background as I found my time in school. Um, whenever I had free time, I wasn't really sure what to do with myself. And my best friend, his mother ran the lower school. Okay. And she said, w would you mind coming over and spending some time with, with our three-year-olds? Okay. It would be great for, for them to see somebody who they could read with and, and have an opportunity. And I said, well, that's not really for me. I don't really have time. But then somehow I found time to do it. <laughs> right. um, when there were opportunities to be a... Uh, a coach of a, of a team or participate in helping to direct a middle school play whenever they needed an older kid mm -hmm. um, I would always say no and then find my way back to doing it but my original path was actually to be an athlete okay. I wanted to be a soccer player and so I played wow. soccer since I was five years old had a chance to, to play at the collegiate level, tried to play a little bit afterwards, but wow. wasn't good enough, wasn't big enough, wasn't fast enough, but found myself as an almost athlete uh, in, throughout most of my time. So my, That's huge. My first teaching job was at a public school outside of Portland, Oregon, where I had just broken both of my legs playing soccer. And so I was teaching in two, two big leg casts <laughs> for an overhead projector. Uh, when I found my passion to, to working I, with kids. How do you simultaneously break both legs? How does that happen? Yeah, it, it was it was running. <laughs> I, I ran too much and, and I broke my feet. And so I had developed all these stress fractures in my feet. And so the only way to fix that was to, to cast them and, and make sure that I got off of them for, for a while. And so, yeah, they put me in two casts <laughs> to keep me from running around. Also, it's interesting to me that, like, soccer as a sport of choice, um, I don't want to give away your age. You yeah, know. that's all right. But, but during those days, and even now, America is still, you know, far as catching up as far as trying to introduce soccer. 
uh, to our youth outside of like basketball, football, uh, sure. baseball, all these other kind of, I think, more accessible sports. How did is is soccer like real big in in Portland yeah. or how does, how does I know y'all got the Trailblazers as a basketball team but how how did soccer how did you gravitate yeah. to that? Um, there's this is a whole nother <laughs> podcast but. In the Pacific Northwest, soccer was very big. When okay. the first uh, professional league came, they brought many soccer players over from Europe, okay. and they settled in the towns when the league folded. And so if you look back at many of the college teams mm -hmm. uh, out of California, Oregon, and Washington, they were all coached by former players in that league. Okay. So there is a deep history, Portland Timbers being one of them, um, from from the Pacific Northwest. Right. But for me, I grew up as a Head Start kid. I grew up uh, in the Vistas when I was very, very young. Mm -hmm. And so uh, football wasn't a possibility. It was yeah. it was an expensive sport. You need a lot of gear. Yeah. Um, basketball, you need more than one person to play. Right. A soccer ball was something that I could do all the time. Yeah. And I lived across the street from the park, so I could take my ball and I could go and play. Right. And I really found soccer because I needed something to do after school because right. my parents worked. And so I literally walked into a soccer practice right. and said, "What's going on?" Right. Uh, and that's how I that's how that became part of my life. Speaking of parents, how did they influence or make up, or what would they say about you as an adolescent? Um, what would they say about me yeah. as an adolescent? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty much the same person as I was as an adolescent. Maybe I was a little louder when right. I was younger. Um, I've always been the person who sort of asks why. How can it be different? How can right. it be better? Um, sometimes when I shouldn't. Uh, you know, to right. be honest, that that's that's how change makers uh, mm. exist. Um, and I was always really, really driven. So worked a little too hard, a right. little too long trying to do those things. And my parents kind of let me do what I wanted to do. I think soccer is a great example of that. Uh, you know, I, I broke my feet because I ran too much. I knew yeah. I needed to stop. I needed to do something else. But right. there was always one more game to play. Yeah. There was one more chance that I could I could be better. Yeah. And and I was the type of kid that, that did that. What was your parents' background? What was their professions? Um, my my uh, my mother worked in aging services. She worked okay. for the state of Oregon, and so okay. has always been involved in service agencies. And my stepfather ran a bicycle shop um, oh, wow. for over forty years, neighborhood bike shop. And so one of my first uh, jobs was helping to sweep sweep floors right. uh, with him. And he's been a big part of my life for forever. Um, and they were really supportive in, in everything that I wanted to do. Mm. So great, great support from my family. So now you're here in Nashville. Yeah. Get straight, let's get straight to the meat. Let's get straight to the meat of, the, of, of, this, of, this, of this chicken bone right here. Um, how are you liking Nashville so far? Nashville has been fantastic. I, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Mm -hmm. I haven't lived in the South before. I moved here in July, and this apparently was the hottest July ever. So I've, I felt like everything from the clothes I was wearing, like coming from New York City, it was it was the wrong material. It was too hot. Right. I felt a little bit out of sorts. But every time I went someplace, there was a friendly a, a friendly person to say, right. "Hey, you're the new director of USN. Let me tell you my story about yeah. how we're connected to USN. What it means for us to have you here." Mm -hmm. uh, people, I feel like the city kind of rolled out the red carpet in that way yeah. to make sure that I was well cared for. I moved here with my family and my son, who's a, who's a senior at USN, and everybody wanted to make sure all of us were okay. Right. Um, so that's that's been amazing. Um, what attracted you to USN? Yeah, 
I've been a part of, of education and independent schools now for, for a really long time. And I've been really fortunate in my career to be a part of, of schools that are doing really significant work. Mm -hmm. I spent the last 10 years at a school connected to Columbia University. Uh, before that, I was a, at a school connected to the University of Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, before that, I was with a school in Seattle, Washington. And when I look back over my career, I've always been able to find schools that are trying to have a public purpose, part of something much bigger than just serving the, the community of the students who can enroll. Right. They've been a part of connecting with public schools, part of research, part of connecting to higher education, trying to think about how to change and grow teachers. Right. Um, and so USN is one of those schools that's always sort of been in the back uh, in the background mm -hmm. because it was one of the first to, yeah. to be explicit about the importance of having that public purpose. Mm -hmm. Coming with the demonstration school model, that was a model that, that failed in many ways, and yet we've continued to find ways to think about how to offer contemporary education in ways that, that rely on that level of research. So it's it's one of those schools that everybody knows about in the right. field of education. They don't necessarily know a lot about it. Right. Um, and maybe even one of the best kept secrets here in Nashville. Um, in education, especially being a, a black man, right, there's always this push to get more black men to be mm -hmm. teachers, to be directors in leadership, in education in general. How has your journey um, in education as a black man um, shaped and molded you? What has been some, some wins? What have been some, maybe some challenges um, along that journey? And kind of some inspirations as well to keep yeah. going. Um, challenges, um, I think back to the journey, one of the things I mentioned earlier was just seeing people like me doing the work. Right. For a long time, I didn't even know that was possible. Mm. I didn't know what I could do. It felt like it was out of reach. So I've always been in places where you find someone who's a sponsor or a mentor, yeah. someone who's going to say, Imani, you can do this. Right. Or, hey, Imani, have you thought about this other thing? Um, and then when you realize that being a person of color, identify as black, being in a place where people make other assumptions about you, mm -hmm. about your capacity, about your intellect, about right. your history, um, I've definitely found that I have to remind people that mm -hmm. I've either earned my, my opportunity that is in front of me, right. let them know a little bit about wh where I came from, <laughs> right. uh, and, and I think that's a challenge that not everybody has to face in this work. Right. I don't think people always assume that right. they, that you know what you're doing when right. when I'm in the rooms that I'm in. Um, and then I think the other part of the success is I've been able to give back to to some of that work and into the community. I've been involved with mentorship. Right. I've been involved with growing educators and thinking about leadership, not just in my school, but sort of in the movement, right. in, in the broader movement of education. In your journey, what do you think has been a reason why it has been hard to get black men in the education in the, or inspired or encouraged to take on that type of professional career? Yeah. Um, I, I want to separate it into a couple different things. I think okay. one, teaching as a profession is hard. Yeah. So all of us are, are you know, we're trying to find teachers, right. good teachers, and there are so many opportunities out there. But I think particularly when you look back over the last couple of years, people haven't gone into teaching because of, uh, of the challenge of teaching, of the hours of teaching, and that's true for everybody. Right. For, for black people in particular, for black men, 
I think that it's also not been seen as uh, a career for us. We don't necessarily know other other black men who are teachers. We didn't have black male teachers. We didn't we didn't see any of those experiences. So it wasn't even on my radar, in, right. as I said as I said early on. Um, and then I think from a hiring point of view, I don't think we do enough to get out into black communities right. to talk about teaching as an opportunity and inviting folks in. There's right. a lot of times that. Um, we don't necessarily focus on getting out to spread the word about right. our jobs, about the opportunities, about what it really means to, to be meaningful right. as an educator, as a role model in, in a community. What advice would you give to maybe an aspiring black male teacher right now that's thinking about it on the fence, but what would you say to kind of get them over the edge? Like maybe this is something you consider. What advice would you give them? Yeah, it's about impact. So, so first, I, I always rem when I think about teaching, it's about children. Mm -hmm. And so, if you're if you're wondering if you're a good teacher, if you're right. wondering if it's something you want to do, sp mm -hmm. spending time with young people, whether you volunteer at a boys and girls center, you coach on a, on a team, you get involved as a mentor, volunteer, do something with children. Right. Um, the second part is finding a way to be connected to to a community, and I think that that happens in lots of different ways. I see churches involved with with youth programs. Mm -hmm. I see the again sports programs finding ways to just dabble in teaching right. to be able to share your knowledge, your experience, and your wisdom. Right. And then getting into professional programs. There are lots of ways to be connected to professional networks uh, around around education, making sure that you know about the schools that are right. that are in your community. Right. You know what people are looking for. We are always hiring. Schools are always hiring. They always need need someone right. to be able to to come in and work with young people. Right. But having that experience to know and be grounded with kids, mm -hmm. to have the professional skills and practice to be doing some of that work in a place that's fulfilling. Mm -hmm. uh, and then really getting out there to see what's available. Now being a director of USN, what does that mean? Like for us that maybe don't know what yeah. a director of a school of a private school means. What what does that mean? What is what is, what is your powers that you hold? What, what, is, what is my superpower? <laughs> your superpower. And then like what is what is you know what does that impact? You know, sure. Um, the responsibility of the director is kind of everything. I start my day every morning uh, welcoming kids off of the bus, and I walk my some of my youngest students who travel by bus to school mm -hmm. to class. So it's everything from seeing how they're doing to helping them get prepared for the day. Mm -hmm. I'm putting backpacks on, we're zipping things up and we're making sure that they're ready to go. Um, then I'll go to a meeting and I'll think about everything from curriculum to budget to long-term planning. The role of the director is everything mm -hmm. about the day-to-day -day operation of the school and making sure that we're around for the next hundred years. Right. Um, so it's, it's a lot of the big picture stuff. The reason it's fulfilling is I get to spend time with kids, so I get to do a, I don't get to be in the classroom anymore, right. but I get to have interaction with kids of all ages, right. from kindergarten all the way through grade 12. I get to work with teachers, thinking right. about their passion, art and science of teaching. What are they teaching? Why are they teaching? What, what difference is it going to make? Right. And then working with, with families around what it means to be, to be a part of the school. Um, but the other thing that directors get to do that are a little bit different than principals or people who run divisions is I get to work with external communities. Okay. So creating partnerships, one of the ones that um, is longstanding and, and, and USN is a partnership with Vanderbilt. So finding ways to have our students connect with Vanderbilt. Right. Um, this year we have a high school class that's being taught by one of our teachers and with a Vanderbilt teacher um, working with our students. 
finding ways for us to create and support our Horizons program, which is actually a summer opportunity for public school students to come beyond campus and go back and be successful in their, right. in their own public schools. That's something I get to do that's different mm -hmm. than a lot of the people who have to focus on, the, on daily what's right. happening just, just in the classroom. Now, in education, I would just say not just in education, but I think it's globally now, um, diversity, inclusion, equity has just been, you know, a big phrase sure. that's been used from schools, organizations, corporate, everywhere. Everybody's trying to be more diverse, uh, intentionally more diverse, intentionally more inclusion, and intentionally have more equity, or recognizing if they don't have equity, how do they fix that, right? When we think about public private schools, um, there's a lot of things to know even personally for myself that comes comes to mind just subconsciously or even consciously when I think about my own upbringing. Like, yeah. ah, as a black man as well, as a, just a black person, ah, private schools, uh, that's, not, that's, that's not for people like me, the yeah. people that look like me. Uh, I'm not welcome there. Ah, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I don't know, my parents can't afford it. You know, those type of things. Um, I can't do the same things I would do at a public school, whatever that means, right? Can you dig into that um, diversity, inclusion, and equity standpoint first um, and how USN is, is tackling that and what is your own kind of blackness, sure. how that affects that, right, in the culture um, at USN today? And then we'll, we'll kind of just step, yeah. step, keep stepping into that, leaning more into that. Sure. There's so many ways that we can tackle that as a question. Uh, I think one of the first places to talk about is just access. Right. Um, <clears throat> Many independent schools were founded not with the same history as USN. A lot of them were founded to be elite schools, and we have a, we have a, a different history in that way. And um, I, want, I want to interrupt you really quickly, yeah, because you because I don't I'm not familiar with the term, but you keep saying independent school, yeah. And so I want to so I know people keep probably hearing that too, sure. And, so, and I and I want to make sure I'm using the correct terminology versus private or independent. Is there a difference? With, so, so you can you give us a, a yeah, quick absolutely. glossary breakdown and then go back into it? <laughs> sure. Private schools can mean a lot of things. Okay. And, and so there can be private schools that are uh, affiliated with a religion. They can okay. be affiliated with uh, all, all sorts of things. An independent school is independent of that sort of policy. A okay. non, any non-public school is sort of grouped into the broader sense of being independent schools. Got it. So it's okay. a little bit bigger bucket, and it also sort of allows room for, for all of us to, to sort of be part of that conversation. Right. Okay, that perfect. makes sense. That makes sense. Um, it also, for us, is part of our inclusion. So it right. means that we have the ability to open and offer a really wide net in, in lots of ways. But let me go back to the first part around, yeah, yeah. around uh, access. So one of the first barriers that are often people worry about is how much does it cost to go to a school. Right. Public schools are free. Uh, of course, there are other ways that, that schools fundraise to have additional programming. But mm -hmm. by and large, that's a free program versus what a private or independent school costs. So we have a financial aid program that is need-based. So we work with families to figure out what they can afford and mm -hmm. work really hard to provide as much as we can of everything else. We don't want money to be the barrier right. to, to, for families to have the experience at USN. Right. We think about that in lots of ways, not just the day-to-day the -day tuition, but everything from our summer programming to we offer trips, international trips. We think of all the ways that families can have an experience in a school. We want to make that as, as realistic as possible. So we tackle that directly up front and, and talk with families about what's possible. Right. Um, 
The diversity, equity, and inclusion is also, USN is founded with the goal of representing Nashville. Right. And we're constantly talking about what that means. Right. So some of that is, who are the communities that don't know about USN? Right. We are rooted in Edge Hill. We spend time talking with our students about what it means to be of and in Edge Hill as a community. Mm -hmm. It's part of our curricular program sure. to walk around, to make those connections, to understand our history. But we also recognize we have to be outside of that community to make sure everybody knows. You know, I'm not sure where you grew up in Nashville, but North but Nashville. North Nashville. And did you know of USN? I as did not. Right. Mm -hmm. So we've been around since 1915. That's a problem yeah. if you don't know who we are. Right. That's something we have to be better at doing. So does that mean that we haven't done enough to connect with you and your community and wherever you were going to school? Right. Does it mean that we haven't done enough to highlight our programs to let people know that mm -hmm. we're here and we're doing something significant? Right. So, so that's part of the awareness that we need to work on. Um, and then on the diversity, equity, inclusion, we want to be a school where everybody feels a sense of belonging and connection. Right. Understanding what it makes for students to feel safe, families to be able to feel safe to be at school, to talk about the things that are hard for them, right. to not necessarily have to go through all the code shifting to figure out, is this okay for me to say at school? Is this right. not okay for me to talk about? But making sure they're surrounded with trusted adults who, who know how to have those conversations, who right. want to have those conversations. Um, I shared with you off camera, my son is, is in uh, the senior class and he's involved in a, in a course on black consciousness. Um, so we're taking ideas that have been around for a long time, black philosophers and what that means, and applying that to a modern day environment. Right. It's not just students of color who are in that class. We're right. making sure that everybody understands the importance of the black community, right. not just here in Nashville, but, but as a movement, as an idea, as an impact in, right. in terms of our, our larger history. So making sure the curriculum reflects what we really want right. for our students to be able to think critically about a breadth of, of experiences. That makes me think of just where we are today in our world, right? Yeah. Especially here in the United States where a lot of these things like that are politicized, right? Yeah. Um, as an independent school, how, how are those type of situations handled, right? Yeah. Whether it's a mass mandate, whether it's a particular subject, um, whether it's critical race theory, for example, because um, we know from a public school perspective, it's a lot that goes in school board. You have a superintendent. It's a, it's a lot of things sure. that goes into that pot that that can they can turn really nasty and get really p political around education. Is that the same, or is that different, or? How do an independent school juggle or have or lean into those conversations with parents sure. um, in the community uh, that an independent school has? So you asked earlier what the job of the director is. Uh -huh. that, that is my job. <laughs> my job is to be the person who helps communicate that and, mm -hmm. and, and help people understand what it is that we're tackling, what it is that we're facing. Right. We have a governing body. We have a board of trustees that's a little different than... Um, than a school board. Okay. They're not doing policy at that level, but they're there to advise and, and do the, the governance of the school itself. But we'll take a couple of those topics on. Right. When we think about things like the mask mandate, which were hard, they were hard for every community. Right. I wasn't here in Nashville, so this isn't a statement around what we did or didn't do over the past few years, right. but I can say that part of the exercise is to go to find the best experts we possibly can mm -hmm. to get advice, to understand what we can and can't do within right. our community safely, to make sure that everybody is able to be well cared for and safe in the school. Mm -hmm. And then think about the academic program. How do we continue to offer everything that we possibly 
possibly can for our students to be successful, for them to continue to grow intellectually, and to offer that to the broadest group ever. So for most schools, that was some sort of mix of online education, in-person education, and figuring out how safely you could come back. We have some advantages because of where we are. Mm -hmm. We are in Edge Hill, as I mentioned before, near the Vanderbilt campus. Right. So we can spill out of doors in right. ways that many schools couldn't. Um, so we get to take all of those things, those things together. The other part of what I heard you ask was, how do we have really difficult conversations? Right. Critical race theory is probably something different, and we don't do that in secondary education. Exactly. So that, that's a different podcast and a different conversation. <laughs> but difficult conversations around race, conversations that are, are hard for us right. Right. Um, just as humans, right. let alone understanding being a young person, a black per black man right. in schools. We try to create safe spaces for those conversations to occur. When I say safe, it means we have to have dialogue. It has right. to be critical thinking. Right. So when we can, we'll put multiple opinions on the stage. We'll, put, we'll create time and space for people to have not just the conversation, but some debrief afterwards. Right. What did that mean to you? Right. How did that change your thinking? Uh, because we really, at the end of the day, education is about preparing children to be part of a democratic society, right. to be more enlightened and more engaged, to be able to make a bigger impact when they leave. So they have to have thought critically about those things, not just being told all the time, this is right, this is wrong. So right. we're finding ways to, to be able to do that. So at USN, that's the way we've approached it. And that's part of the time that I get to spend with students. Right. I ask the, we have a student group in the, in the high school about what are the things you're struggling with? What are the things you want to talk about? Mm -hmm. And they come back to me and say, we really want to talk about how to disagree with each other without that being, without being disagreeable. Right. Okay, so now we have to help you understand discourse. Right. Um, and so we have to find those things that are already meaningful to right. you, even if they're controversial, right. and create a space for us to do that. Um, and let me say too, we have to bring our families along as well, because right. we can't do that with our students without doing that with their parents and guardians. Personally, when you think of the word equity, when you think of the word diversity, or inclusion, right? What does that mean to you? Like how? Because they can be very broad terms, um, yeah. and so I, I, I'll just throw that one out. Equity. What does that? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to Amani? Yeah. Um, I, there's a distinction, obviously, between equity and equality. Right. Right. So I think we, we make that distinction first. <clears throat> um, for me, we're talking about everyone getting kind of what they need to be mm -hmm. able to be successful right. in an environment. Um, for me, I think very quickly, very personally, about my own journey, my own experience, and my own voice. What do I need to feel equal in the spaces right. that, that I occupy? And ultimately, it's about getting to that sense of belonging and connection. Right. We have a responsibility to create the thing that makes you hooked to the community, right. feel safe enough to be your full and present self right. um, in, in, in the school. So for me, that's, that's the safety. How do I know that it's okay? Right. It's okay for me to be all of who I am uh, when I'm at work, when I'm, when I'm in the USN community. Nashville, um, I always like to say Nashville is, is, is a diversely segregated place, mm. right? Because we have a lot of diversity here as far as what people look like, languages they speak. Yeah. But we all are in our own community bubbles, right? And I think I was a... Um, huh, a prisoner, I would say, of that. This is my own upbringing, right? Because of just the South, the Bible Belt, historically what has happened here. Um, and I think that restricts and limits perspective and also opportunities to find out what else is going on in your city. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
And so I say that to say, how is USN and in what ways are you thinking to kind of break those type of barriers uh, when it comes to to parents especially who may live outside the edge hill community and other pockets of Nashville that, you know, probably are at the low socioeconomic level of things, um, maybe working multiple jobs and general have a lot going on, um, and maybe even consciously themselves, they don't even see their kids yeah. being able to attend a, a school like USN. How do how do we tackle that in the mindset, right? And also knowing that this is a welcoming space for, for people that may fit in a particular uh, economic category or race category. Sure. Uh, I don't think it's enough to tell people it's a welcoming space. We have to right. demonstrate that it's right. a welcoming space. And so we have to find ways that we invite people to campus. Right. We've, we've tried a handful of things. And, and I guess let me back up and say part of it's inviting people to campus to, to know us, to right. see us, to be present. And part of us is just being active in the community, mm -hmm. me and others finding ways to, to be meaningfully connected in, right. in the broader community. But let me go back to inviting people to campus. We have programming that... That, that happens in lots of ways that can invite people in to understand more about USN. We have evening classes that anyone in Nashville can sign up for and, and hear from a speaker, learn a new skill. Those are, those are paid for opportunities, but they're open to everybody. Right. We're also trying to find ways that we just help make other people aware of opportunities that exist. This year we hosted a historically black colleges and university college fair. We brought in representatives from, from a variety of schools, and we open it up to everybody, mm -hmm. um, not just USN students, not just independent school students. Right. We, we reached out to everybody we possibly could. Mm -hmm. uh, we, were, we, we thought we'd be lucky if we got 200 people signed up in, in, in the gym. I think by the day of the show, we had over 800 people registered wow. to come in. Wow. And so it wasn't a benefit to us other than to say we wanted to create an opportunity right. that brought people to campus and connected people to these HBCUs. Right. So we're also trying to find ways that we can serve, mm -hmm. ways that we can be connected and, and folks can come onto campus and say, wow, this is a place that I didn't even know existed, right. but they may be doing something interesting if they're willing to be a part of this right. conversation in this community. So. Finding intellectual ways for us to do that, finding opportunities for us to open up our campus to, to, be, to be more broad, mm -hmm. and then finding real meaningful partnerships. Right. I mentioned, I mentioned uh, Horizons, and that's one way that we work with students. I mentioned the partnership that we've had historically with Vanderbilt, right. but trying to find different ways that we can create communities of teaching and learning, right. uh, partnering with public schools around professional development, finding ways to be involved with service programs, agencies, and organizations that just serve Nashville. How can our right. kids be better ambassadors to right. the communities that we live in? Well, we want to be active and out right. and present. One great thing about being new is I get to ask all sorts of questions. <laughs> so you mentioned a couple of communities and, and I still get the names wrong uh, because one thing I've learned about Nashville is the way it's written is not the way it's pronounced. Right? <laughs> Nobody really walked me through that. Uh, and so it's... That's how we know who's not from here and yeah. who's from here. That's how, that's it's how a trick. Secret. It's a trick. trick. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I feel better than, than um, it wasn't just me. So I, I'm trying to get out to, to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. You know, What do you know about USN? Hey, let me come see your school. Let yeah. me see your community center. Let me see your church, synagogue, temple. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your community. Yeah. Uh, because then we can actually have real conversations. Right. Um, well, and I can't speak for every community, but I will speak 
from the community I'm part of the black community yeah um and being a black man yourself how do we tackle the notion that black people aren't welcome in a space like U.S. yeah how how do like like how do we get over that mindset who do we like how, how does U.S.N. do that right as part of your job have you thought about that is that something that just goes through your mind because Again, even per, from my personal experience, I'm like, ah, those, not just USN specifically, but in general, like, I, I don't think those schools are welcoming for somebody that looks like me. Yeah. Um, and maybe not culturally uh, competent um, for me to attend and maybe accept all or who I am and what comes with that. Sure. Um, the first part's honest conversation. One of the yeah. things that I did is I went back and talked with recent alums um, and asked them about their experience and heard from a lot of alums of color about what it meant for them, what they knew about USN, what was hard for them about their experience, and we're spending time talking about what that means for us as a school. What were some of the, I guess, some of the impactful things that you heard from, yeah. from those alums? I think I've heard a variety of things. Um, one was really about personal connections. Did they have a trusted adult who looked like them, cared for them, felt connected? Um, they did, in most cases, have that person, but they were the same, they, they often had the same person. Right. So that tells me we need to do more. We need to right. do more to make sure that the faculty and staff represent the diversity of our student population mm -hmm. as well as the diversity of Nashville. Um, two was finding safe ways to have those difficult conversations. Um, things that come up feel different in different communities. Right. And how do we make sure that those voices are heard and not silenced just by the energy of the room, by the emotion right. of, the, of, of, of the challenge, and by the majority of the numbers? Uh, are we really creating the time and place to do that? That starts with professional development for the faculty and staff. Mm -hmm. That has to do with our hiring, our cultural competence in terms of being really clear about what we're looking for, what makes right. a teacher successful, what our expectations are for for being a part of the USN community. Right. Um, we're, we're starting to have those types of conversations and making sure that we all feel comfortable and prepared to do that. Um, and then another part was just how far it is away geographically mm -hmm. from the communities that they grew up. So yeah. thinking about what it means for us to have programs that are, that are desirable, mm -hmm. academic programs, athletic programs, artistic programs, right. what it means for us to provide transportation so you don't have to figure out how to get here. If you want to come to USN, right. we should help try to make that make that possible so right. talking about what that looks like and then even thinking about ways that we might be able to take the educational program outside of the Edge Hill campus are there yeah. things that we can do that are that are in different parts of the city right. different parts of the country are there ways to use our alumni network differently right. um, we're starting to think about uh, some of those and the last thing I'll say is that it's one thing to come back and talk the, to the director about the experience right. it's another thing to come back and actually continue to have a voice in how you change the school yeah. so continuing to stay involved right. um, continuing to ask those questions, right. continuing to give them opportunities to share their experience with the students and with families so we can continue to be better. We can't, we're not hiding from that history. We're embracing the fact that right. those were things that might have been hard and right. therefore we have to create things that are, are different and new as the world has changed. I know we had talked a little bit off camera about this and I'm excited to kind of dive into this a little more about you all's public um, investment right into the national community because um, I told you I was even battling right now with myself being someone every now I think about it I think everybody in my family that I can think of oh we all went to national public schools right 
and then think about um, at least graduated from Nashville Public School. I think I had a few cousins that went to like St. Vincent when they were still living yeah. on Tucker Road. Um, but thinking about if 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 I am I taken away from my community, mm. right? Or if I become this this person of you know of value and resources now that I'm an adult, right? Um, and understanding, I ha I might have the financial resources to go ahead and put my son through an uh, independent school like USN, knowing that public schools are not really the best for, for black boys. Like, we, 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 we understand this statistically, right? right. These are, there's a lot of things, a lot of barriers, um, suspension rates, all of these other things. Um, but however, you know, can, can, could I change that if I invest my time and my energy and my newfound resources by putting my son in a public school versus a private school where maybe I'm, I'm disconnecting my son and myself from helping public schools overcome some of those hurdles that we know that exist. Yeah. Um, does it have to be a, a, a one or the other, or can it be an in both and, and kind of how you spoke about off camera, how USN is kind of like yeah. still having that, that public investment in community, even though it's an independent school? Yeah. It, it has. It can't be an either or. Okay. Um, both of those institutions can't survive that way. Uh, public schools can't survive by being insular and not talking about educational policy writ large. Um, independent schools can't survive by making families make choices to either jettison public schools or their family history or their family values. We have to make sure that we're doing we're doing both of those things. And I think USN. Um, continues to tackle that. So let's talk about the, for the first part, the, right. the systemic part. When I came out of, of college, um, I wanted to be a public school teacher. And at that point, the, the, the school district that needed us the most, that needed black teachers, was LA Unified. So I was gonna move to LA to be a part of, of the public school movement, or I was gonna move to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to be part, to, to direct a, um, academic enrichment program for public school students okay. run out of an independent school. And I had been teaching in public schools and felt that I could impact the students that I was working with, mm -hmm. but I couldn't change the system. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to go to this uh, non-for-profit where I got to change the system. I got to work with students, I got to work with teachers, and in some ways that's one of the benefits of being part of an independent school. With changing the system, changing the, the curriculum, changing the experience for children is different right. when you're working in a smaller community than a much larger community. So as educators, as parents, that's part of what we're able to invest in. Right. We're invest with someone who knows our kids, someone who, someone who cares for our kids, which of course can happen in public schools. Right. Uh, we get to do it in just a little bit different environment. That's, right. that's something. On the school side, we have to continue to make sure that everybody is better educated, working with with with. Um, student teachers. We host student teachers at our school so they have a chance to experience what it's like to be in our classrooms, right. to work with children. Some of them hopefully come to work in independent schools. Some of them, I hope, come to work at USN. But the vast majority are going to go out to be part of public schools. Right. And we need to help them understand uh, how great it is to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. We need to find ways, uh, and I came from a background that we didn't just do that with, with teachers. We did that with social workers. We did that with school counselors. And so U 
USN wants to continue to be a part of that fertile ground for growing educators, not just to serve USN. So we're talking with schools, we're talking with agencies, we're talking with hospitals uh, and other places about how we can be better partners for for some of those very reasons. Um, And that's what I mean when I say being part of the Nashville community. I don't want it just to be the the easy, logical things that um, that are just across the street or just down the road. Right. I think part of lifting all of us together is finding those ways that are much more complicated, a little bit messy, um, and finding ways that we can we can work together. Yeah. Um, I think there's opportunities, as I mentioned, for professional development with teachers, teachers working with each other to think about teaching and learning with kids. Right. I'm really interested in pursuing some larger research opportunities in classrooms and, and working in, in, in those ways. Um, and learning more and more about sort of the needs of Nashville and elevating that story. Yeah. I'm brand new to the, to the city and I, I learn something new every single day about, about Nashville. And I wanna make sure that our students don't have that same experience, that they don't leave us after, after a kindergarten through, through 12th grade experience feeling like they don't know the town they grew up in right. and all the complexity. Right. Yeah. Is 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 there a difference? And this is just me not being in education. Uh, but is there a difference between a teacher that teaches at a public school and a teacher that teaches at a private or independent school? Is, is like being all be, sure. Is 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 there a, is there different calibers, or can either one go back and forth? Uh, there are great teachers in public schools. There's no right. question about that. There are great teachers in independent schools. The environments are just different. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's as simple as class size. Right. So we, we get to work with a student population that um, our class average is about 15 students. Right. That, that is a luxury in, yeah. many, in many ways in a public environment. Yeah. Um, so you have different skills, you have different opportunities. Mm-hmm. Our curriculum is developed by our teachers right. and by our departments in partnership in some ways with our students. Mm -hmm. whereas many public schools are governed by other systems that determine curricular goals, curricular pacing, Um, and we we were talking a little bit about laws in terms of states, about what can and can't be taught. Independent schools have a little bit different different freedom in that. So oftentimes teachers have made different choices around uh, around the type of environment that they want to work in. But teaching is a calling. Mm -hmm. Uh, To be a teacher in whatever environment someone chooses right. is really about being called to do that work mm-hmm. and um, when I think about the people I've hired to work in, in the independent schools I've been a part of I would say half of us come from teaching backgrounds in public schools right. um, I would say a good portion maybe maybe a third come from special education backgrounds mm-hmm. because we all think about teaching and learning in some different ways and right. what students need. Um, and I think that's the beauty of, of education. We bring all right. those professionals together with different experiences, different backgrounds, different levels of confidence and success in our own story right. around school that creates the school community for our kids. Now I'm gonna get real deep on you right Okay. Now, all right. And I'm just not, I'm not sure how Independent schools handle handle these two things. I'm going to bring up, so you can you can break it down for us. Social and emotional learning. Yeah. Right. Um, there's been a big push um, in in public schools. I know for sure. Um, social and emotional learning, especially around behavior. How do you address these things? How do you prevent from suspending students? Right. Uh, by having professionals at the school that can, you know, maybe 
pivot or redirect a student um, in a different type of way outside of just the easy route, I think, is just send her or him back home. Sure. Right? And then they're missing time, they're missing work, they can get behind, you know, it doesn't work, right? Um, how does an independent school tackle something like that or what are those conversations um, around behavior? Because uh, a lot of the times, this is what I don't see, like in the social media era, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the public school I went to, high school, it was wild, right? But we didn't, we wouldn't have cell phones all the time, right? But now, every every teacher is on YouTube. Anything can happen on social media or TikTok now, right? At any moment. But I tend to see it, I think 99.9% .9 of the time, it, it's a public school, right? Yeah. Um, what are independent schools doing differently? How do they handle their social and emotional behavior? Learning? Yeah. Break it down. Break it down for us. Some of it's hard because vocabulary is different in, okay. in different schools, and and structure exists in different schools. Um, I would like to make a distinction between discipline and social emotional learning. Okay. Uh, on the discipline, well, backing all the way up, students want to be successful. Right. Nobody really wants to get in trouble. Right. It's just it, that's that's just too much work for all of us. Right. So figuring out ways to have advocates and who can support students mm -hmm. are are a big part of the work that we get to do. So on the discipline side, most schools, our school included, has a, has a series of expectations, rules, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But our practice is about restorative justice. Right. It's about trying to work with people to understand the, the reasons and causes of what happened, to help develop next time plans so they are empowered to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Of course there are consequences when harm is done to a community, right. and how do you figure out how to do that? Right. That's not to say there aren't consequences. But the process and the goal, of course, is always to help people make better choices the next time they're in those sorts of situations. Right. The other part of that in terms of social-emotional learning is understanding your body, understanding how your brain works. Right. Uh, we have full-time counselors who are dedicated to that work. Mm. Uh, there are dedicated counselors at, at each division. We have a lower school, a middle school, and a high school. We have dedicated counselors who help our students manage all of that. Right. So when something comes up, Sometimes it's about the discipline. Right. Sometimes it's about how you were feeling and the other things that were going on. Right. Um, and so we're able to help both support the student in whatever the consequences are of that moment and work with the family to figure out what else was going on so mm -hmm. that student can be successful and ultimately come back into the school community, whether it's five minutes later or right. empowered or that's, that's a couple days later, we don't know. Those are, those are all parts of the things that we get to unpack. Right. But by having a dedicated social-emotional learning team, we help empower students to understand how their brain works, right. how their body works. What is it that you were feeling that made you make that choice? Mm -hmm. How can we help you make those those choices differently? Mm -hmm. And then it's not just about the thing that you did. Right. Um, that's one of the opportunities that we have. And I think that makes us makes us different right. because we have the staffing to be able to do that. Right. Public schools have different staffing, different structures. Right. That's not intended as a criticism. Right. It's just one of the ways independent schools get to be independent. Right. We get to solve that problem for each of our schools right. in, in, in some different ways. Yeah, and I'm asking, I'm, I'm, I'm a learner right now. I'm yeah. learning, I'm being curious right now. We're I'm, all learners, <laughs> we're, we're all learners every day, yeah. Um, safety, mm. you know, um, there's been school shootings happening, mass school shootings yeah. happening. Um, I know from a public school situ uh, circumstance here in Nashville specifically, one of the ways they've decided to handle safety is with SROs, right? Um, it's been in place for a long time. Public schools have an MOU with MNPD. 
um, and they feel like that's the best choice in order to keep the school safe. Sure. Um, that's a that's a contentious contentious topic with with parents and especially parents of color uh, interacting with police uh, at schools. Do independent schools or USN, do you all have something like SROs or police on campus um, at this particular yeah. moment? And and how do you all, you know, I guess, tackle, handle safety in general? Sure. Um, no school can, can outline their safety plan publicly for, for obvious reasons. Okay. But philosophically, um, the health and safety of our community is one of the most important things. Okay. You send your child to a school. We, you have to know right. that we're gonna we're gonna care for your child. Okay. So we spend a lot of time thinking about what that looks like. Um, our MOUs, our our memorandums of understanding, uh, for us being an urban environment, mm -hmm. right on the edge of Vanderbilt's campus, right. is actually connected with Vanderbilt Police Department. Okay. Because we're an extension with them. Okay. Um, I think the approach is similar though in thinking okay. about if. If something were to happen, who are the resources around us? Who are the, right. the systems that can help us make the very best choices? Um, so that is an important part of our of our relationship. We don't have the same sort of sort of officers the way that public schools do, for a whole host of reasons. Some of it is that we're a smaller facility. We have mm -hmm. we have a smaller population. And uh, we can control different things in terms right. of who accesses the buildings, et cetera. But we spend a lot of time thinking about how to keep our students, our security, safe. Okay. Um, schools and independent schools have gone through a wide range of choices around this. Uh, everything from training students around uh, situational awareness, understanding right. how, to, uh, how to behave in, in all of those, those worst case scenario drills. Right. We spend time thinking about our facilities themselves. Are we practicing the best practice that makes sure that if there's a concern outside of the building, we can stay inside. And if there's a concern inside of the building, we can get outside. So we always are spending time looking to make sure that the building itself is physically safe for our students. Okay. And then the last part is talking with families, um, because that's the other big fear. If, if you don't know that your child is safe, how do I feel a sense of reassurance? Right. So, so demonstrating and talking with families around how we do that. Um, but but this there's no question that these are things that we're all spending time thinking about I came from New York and so in an urban environment that was a little different uh, we were very close to Sandy Hook uh, we had connections to that community um, those are all things that that are deeply meaningful and personal as we think about how schools schools have to respond I want I want to give you I want to give you kudos for using something I don't a lot of times here educators here it was with the restorative justice and so I just want to point that out uh, that's that's major that, that made me like oh wow okay you know you know he, he, he owns something here and yeah. so um, but their restorative justice approach especially around youth right um, it's also been um, a big topic and how do we practice that more with our youth um, around just our criminal legal system, right? Yeah. Around restorative justice, so understanding that that's something that USN is thinking about, even with just discipline uh, within school, um, is major. So that's uh, that 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 impressed me. <laughs> that, that that impressed me. You, you talked know? about pipelines earlier, and, yeah. and I'm I'm of the generation, and I think you are too. That we were more likely to end up in in prison yeah. than we were to do anything else, and yeah. that that was something I, that was always part of my yeah. of my thinking. That we, I'm in the bonus because yeah. um, that wasn't what I was statistically destined to do, and so we have to break those cycles. Right. We have to make sure that we're thinking about 
uh, something much more than than how long do we have before we go down that other right. path. Um, I want to I want to touch on on um, parent involvement or even parent power mm -hmm. um, from an independent school perspective. Um, I know public schools, you know, we have PTAs and things like that, uh, but parents are not paying, you know, um, to for to send their their kids to school. Um, with parents paying um, to send their, their kids to a USN, is that power dynamic different? Is that input different uh, than a typical public school type of dynamic? Yeah. Uh, uh, or even public school parent relationship? Um, I'm, or I'm pretty sure there's some similarities maybe as well. I think parents are parents in uh, that they want what's best for their for their yeah. children. And so we have a very active parents association. Uh, USNA is, is our association led by parents who help us think about what's important to them. They organize events, they, they build community, they help make sure that we are responsive to the needs of the parents. And there's lots of different subcommittees that make sure that no, no issue doesn't get raised to the right people at the school. Right. Um, the ultimate power in independent schools and any tuition-driven school is that families can vote with their feet. Right. Uh, if they, they don't have to stay at a school that they right. don't like. So that puts a lot of responsibility on us to be responsive right. because in public schools you're usually zoned for that school or right. you, you, are, you are there for a particular reason so you have to create change. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not as easy to leave. Our families could decide. Actually, I don't. I don't like that. And then they get to choose a place that they do like. So we take those those conversations really, really seriously. And it also means we have to be clear about our values. So we spend a lot of time talking about what we believe. We try to be as explicit as we can about our decision making process and how our values guide us in developing curriculum and in, in discipline in all of the things that we've just talked about. So there isn't a misunderstanding. So by the time um, they are making that choice to either sign the next tuition contract or to make a choice to go someplace else. They're fully informed right. about about what they're what they're getting into. But right. um, we had an event uh, just recently with our parents' association. The room is full. They have a chance to talk with me. They have a chance to talk with other other administrators. Um, of course, there are topics, but. Right. They get to ask whatever they want, and we yeah. have those conversations. Yeah. It's regular, constant, and ongoing to make sure that that voice is heard. Um, it, it's important to also know we do the same thing with our students. Our students have lots of input, too. Um, sometimes students and their parents don't always have the same idea <laughs> about how we can improve and change. Yeah. And that's part of the educational process, too. Right. We get to come back and say, that's wonderful. Let me tell you what, what this group said, and yeah. here's what our teachers are thinking about. How are we going to take all those ideas and make the best choice for our school. Um, seven months. Seven months in. Seven months. Uh, <laughs> yes. Seven <laughs> and a half months. Seven. Seven and a half months in. Um, what are what are some of you just uh, initial seven months thoughts thus far, and what are what are some of the things um, that you see as opportunities yeah. to 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 come in and, and and do some great things, you know, in the next seven months yeah. or seven years. Th thanks know. for asking. Yeah. Um, I've never lived in the South before, and I had. I don't know that it was a preconceived notion about Nashville. I just didn't know and didn't appreciate all the richness of, of the history, the cultural history mm -hmm. of Nashville. So some of the most amazing things for me have been what I've discovered really about the connection to the civil rights movement um, and 
for me, I, I want to learn more about that. Yeah. I want to make sure my students know more about that. I have had the opportunity to visit a handful of, of historic churches, of historic places mm -hmm. here, and just sort of be in the moment of, of what happened in Nashville yeah. has been has been frankly just just mind-blowing yeah. to come from the Pacific Northwest and not know that sense of history um, so that that's one thing that has stood out as I talk to the students uh, I want to make sure that they understand how big the world is right. and making sure that they feel empowered to have not just the difficult conversations that we talked about before mm -hmm. but leave empowered and engaged enough to say I'm gonna go out and create change and I want to come back and make sure my family knows about it to make right. sure that USN knows about it that that cycle of change that cycle of, of understanding right. continues to feed back to better us as a school right. and so I know I need to create pathways right. I, I mentioned earlier talking with alums how do I do more of that? How do I find ways to let the experience of being at USN and when they've gone off to be adults and professionals, how do we make sure we don't, we don't lose that, that, that connection? Um, and then I think the other thing I really want people to think about when they're looking at issues of education, best practice in education, when they're thinking about contemporary conversations about race, equity, and inclusion, mm -hmm. as they're thinking about how to balance the most difficult conversations that we have with, um, with, with the human side of, of creating change in culture. Um, I want USN to be one of the places that they're thinking about. I want them yeah. to wonder what we're doing. I want them to, to, to want to reach out and say, hey, Imani, tell me about your program, your policy. Right. Are you running a session? Um, because I want that to be part of what we give back and contribute to Nashville, what right. we contribute to the southern region. Yeah. Um, and that's with educators, that's with, with, with all sorts of ways. Right. So that's untapped, that's, that's undeveloped, yeah. but, but I think when I look back in a hundred years and people ask about the legacy that Amani Reed had on USN. I want us to be engaged in that type of reflection mm -hmm. that we, we had the courage to have those conversations in a right. place that were real meaningful and, right. and created not just impact but real change in, in Nashville. And so for me to do that, I have to, I have to learn a lot more. I have to get yeah. out more. Um, I'm still trying to meet people like you. I'm I, learning we gonna, more we gonna, about... We're going to get you there. We're going to get you yeah. there. And you've already given me five places I need to go, <laughs> we're gonna right? We're going to give you the uh, right pronunciation, the streets <laughs> and everything. We're gonna, we're gonna get I'm you still there. working on Demumbrian. Demumbrian. That, that, that gets stuck in my mouth a little bit. Uh, Buchanan. Buchanan, not yeah. Buchanan. Yeah, no. Buchanan. Lafayette. Lafayette. Yeah, Lafayette, <laughs> Lafayetteville. Like, I, I'm not... It's all... Man, we country, man. We city country. <laughs> and I'm still learning when it's Nashville and when it's Knoxville. I hear Ville and Vol used a couple different ways. Knoxville, so. Knox, Knoxville. I'm sure now you got me thinking about how yeah. I just normally say it. Nashville, Knoxville. See? I think I should say Knoxville. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm learning all about, about what that means and, 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 and how lost that's going to get me. you got to be a Titans fan. I, I'm working on that. <laughs> I, I'm working on that. Um, I, I, made, I made the comment that I moved to Pittsburgh. And so being in Pittsburgh, uh, and, and my wife is from the Pittsburgh area, mm -hmm. we, we are Steelers fans. And I, that has been that has been a that's point kinda, of contention. That's kind of an issue. It is. It really, it it really kind of oh. is, you know. Ah, but man. but maybe with the new stadium, man. maybe with an opportunity to get to a game, uh, I am a Nashville SC fan, uh, so I I can say that. But I but I'm working on the Titans. Oh, yeah, we're gonna have to. We'll give you a couple of years. You know, we give you we give you some time to adjust. 
you know. Um, I'm learning too, though, about the history of baseball here. Oh yeah. And so mm -hmm. uh, I, had a Negro lead here. Yeah. They got the sounds. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of hidden history here. Yeah. And um, that's why I got a connection with Dr. Williams because there's certain people that just know these things. Um, and some of these things, like I said, it's not it's not lost. It's just hidden. You just got to know where to look yeah. to find a lot of these gems. Um, about just not even just the black community, we have uh, Jewish communities here. Um, and unfortunately, um, you're coming to Nashville at a time where there's a lot of movement, but also gentrification yeah. that's, that has happened in a lot of these historically um, like black and brown areas where a lot of this rich culture comes from. Um, and so we'll have to give you that, that real native tour and connect yeah. you to those folks because um, as you're growing that, that, that culture at USN, being able to input that information That's and right. that knowledge into the school um, can do nothing but help and make students more aware. And, and then who knows what, what it may inspire or encourage students to do or research more um, about Nashville. So. And, and as I understand USN's history, we, we have more often than not been on the right side of history <clears throat> as, as, as schools were changing, right. that we changed with them. Right. Um, and so we have we have a strong history of, of, yeah. of Jewish students. We have a strong yeah. history of, of black <laughs> students, um, and that's not true for everybody. Yeah. But that is something that, that we that we can say um, that we have to continue to make sure not just is is known but is is actually improved every single day. I wonder how many. Um, so let me get this right. I wonder how many if, if you all measure how many. How many parents that send their students to USCN are from Nashville? You know. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I meet a lot of people uh -huh. who are multiple generation from Nashville, and um, and USN is one of those places that people have lots of different connections. Mm -hmm. And as I walk around now. Um, people know that I'm new to, uh, to Nashville, <laughs> and sometimes they hear it in my voice, sometimes uh, they hear something else, and then I hear the story, I recently moved here. Yeah. So I know we have a lot of transplants from New York, a lot of transplants from California, mm -hmm. um, and we are seeing a little bit of that, okay. but most of the families that I'm, that I'm seeing and mm -hmm. I'm having a chance to, to meet through USN are actually Nashville, I don't know if I can say Nashville natives, uh -huh. at least one generation of Nashville natives. Okay. Because um, that's, like, that's the interesting part to me when I think about USN. Yeah. And thinking about, um, like, me and Steve Vinnick, for example, both being from here, uh, but just growing up in two different, like, cultures, right? And then getting older and then understanding education better, understanding, like, talking about our experiences um, around our schools that we went to and how it maybe like helped or how maybe I wish I could have had that experience or maybe lacked something, right? Um, and I'm just always curious because again, even going back to the Vanderbilt University thing, yeah. um, like as 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 a as a black person growing up in Nashville, it just it just wasn't one of those things that you know we was encouraged or I thought it was something for me to do. But as you get older. You realize, like, ah, oh, maybe it's going to benefit me, you yeah. know, because of the resources, because of the connections, the network that Vanderbilt as an institution has um, that maybe some, you know, institutions don't have just because of, like, what they've invested into it. Sure. Um, and so I just think about those things and, you know, one, how can I be a, a part of that? Um, 
and also just finding you know what I'm comfortable with when it comes to that um, especially around education having a son that one day is going to have to go to a school right and um, and just kind of just weighing my options and, and being also realistic and understanding um, that what the best looks like for him sure you know and things like that and what institution has all of those things um, yeah you made me think of two things one is um, it, it's also possible that when you think back on USN mm -hmm. and the people you might have talked to go back farther than when we were USN. Yeah. We were Peabody Demonstration <clears throat> School up until 1975. So they're also, we've been talking about USN, yeah. but it's important to understand our legacy is bigger than USN, right. as PDS and USN. And right. so um, that's cumbersome sometimes mm -hmm. to talk about, but there's a whole history that, that predates yeah. that. The second thing is schools are unique, mm -hmm. and it's not uncommon for families to have multiple children and find different different Fits, schools yeah. appropriate for different for different kids. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's part of the richness of the school options here in Nashville. There are lots of different places that are different and unique, and, and I think schools can, can be a good match. And then the last thing I'll say to what you said was you're doing it now. Yeah. When you think about what you're doing for your son, what you're doing for your family, what you're doing for education, is asking those questions. Yeah. Uh, you have to expect that of me. Right. You have to expect that the school is going to be able to deliver mm -hmm. and talk about something that's important and meaningful for you and your family. Yeah. Um, and if we're not able to do that, then then that probably is, is worth another conversation. Yeah. Um, so that's exactly what you want. We want yeah. engaged families who want to be a part of their child's education. They want to partner with me. Yeah. want to partner with our teachers. Sure. want to partner with our school community to figure out how to do it together. Because right. uh, we can't do it in isolation. What is the future of education? That's a, that's a, that's a big one. That's a big question. But we're going to end it. We're gonna, that, that's, that's my last big one for you. What is, what, is, what is the future of education? What does that mean? What does that look like? Yeah, I think we are on a we are at a really pivotal point. We've seen educational reform take all sorts of different changes, and I think the pandemic accelerated some of the things that were on the horizon. So we're looking at we're looking at delivery and technology in some different ways. Um, there's no way to not think about distance learning, computer learning, and how that makes more information accessible to everybody, and Programs like ChatGPT are creating all sorts of other problems. Artificial intelligence, how do we use that as a tool mm -hmm. that doesn't get in the way? So I'm, on one hand, technology is going to change the face of, of education mm -hmm. and access will be a big part of that. Mm -hmm. I think the second part is the gap between now and where our, let's say our kindergartners, when they be, join the workforce, mm -hmm. that workforce looks very different than it did uh, two generations ago. Right. We were able to better predict what skills, competencies they would need in order to be successful. So as an educational system, we have to be more relational, more nimble, and help our students to be, the word is not resilient, but able to, to reflect and to, to be able to modify, adjust, and change right. as the world around them changes. So I think we're going to have to be more open to change as institutions to, to be able to do that. So we're looking at our delivery, we're looking at our purpose, because the outcomes and the challenges are different. And 
I think we have to get back to that sense of connection, the relational part of schools. Schools are as human as anything else. Right. And so how do we make sure that while we're doing the AI piece, we mm -hmm. don't lose sight of the fact that actually you and I are in a conversation together, and that's what's what's meaningful about today. Right. We could have done it via email, right. but I wouldn't have been enriched in the same way that I am by, by sitting with you today. And right. so how do we find ways to do, to do both of those things? So I think schools functionally will look different right. and change. I got, like, I thought that was going to be the last one. You, oh. made, me th you th made me think Good. about something. I'm glad. You made me think about something. Made me think about college universities. Yes. Uh, and because of technology and because of careers are centered around technology where you don't necessarily maybe have to go to a four, to get a four-year degree to make six figures because of tech is just so wildly booming sure. and there's just a lot of opportunities in it, right? Um, unless you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, some of those terminal degrees and you know things you have to attain just to practice those things, those careers. Um, how is USN responding to that? Is that something that that you're even thinking about as far as careers? Um, growing up in public schools, uh, I know there was like just two tracks. You know, it's a university path, or it's like, hey, if you want to do a trade or mm -hmm. some some type of technical. Um, Track. Vocational program. Vocational program. Yeah. You can do that too. Um, the independent schools take on that type of methodology of psychology at some uh, phys uh, some point, or how yeah. how does that look? Is that different? Is that something yeah. you all explore, or is it like everybody college preparedness type yeah. of thing? I heard a lot of layers in the question, yeah. so let, let me go we back. Got time. To, we got let me, time. Let me do one of the layers, which is I think as as Colleges change, mm -hmm. schools are changing, high schools are changing too. Right. Um, I mentioned earlier that the pandemic accelerated some of that. And I think the clearest example is the use of standardized testing as a gateway to colleges. We've, we've had long, for, for years, we've had conversations about whether or not that is the best method. And then all of a sudden we couldn't use that as a method or, or, or a barrier, so schools had to change. And we're, we're learning a lot from how successful those students were when they entered college. So we're gonna see colleges change in general. Um, on the skill side, I think we are moving more and more away from um, maybe even traditional grades or traditional ways of measuring success to more skills and competencies. Okay. Does that tip us greater towards vocational training? I'm not sure, okay. but I do think that we have to be prepared to, to live in the world that's coming. Yeah. Understanding technology is different than when, when I was in school. Right. When I was in school, we took a keyboarding class, which was mostly learning how to type, type. Yep. and we did a little bit with Visual Basic, but that was pretty advanced. You, right. had to, you had to spend a lot of time <laughs> to learn how to program a robot that, or something that was going right. to say hi back to it's you. Still, now yeah. we, have, we have engineering programs that are solving a whole bunch of, of different world problems. Mm -hmm. And you even think about how Geodes has changed Nashville in terms of um, their industry here. Yeah. So if there's a vocational bend, I think what we're going to see is some of those STEM influences changing industries that we didn't think we're going to be changed by them. Right. Uh, AI and education being another example of that right. that we were just talking about. So we're going to get to that point, mm -hmm. but we're going to get to that point because the outcomes change, right. the needs change, right. the demand for our students change, right. um, and it can't just be I'm an intellectual in this way. Right. You actually have to be a learner, uh, an, an experienced intellectual in this way mm -hmm. um, that 
I think was different than it was 20, 30, 50 yeah. years ago. Yeah, um, sure. the, the world that your child enters is going to be really different than the one that yeah. you did. Yeah. And that's exciting. It's wonderful. And it's terrifying as a parent. Yeah. And so we have to continue to find ways that, that we, we broaden that sense of what it means to be educated, mm -hmm. what it means to be a responsible citizen right. uh, and an adult. Yeah, and, and, and that's why when you mentioned earlier, like, you know, bringing the parents with you all along to that journey because we can get blinded by our own kind of, you know, uh, traditional ways of how sure. we was in school. And, well, no, we did this. We, oh, what's going on? Like, no, nah, things are changing and yeah. and things like that. And so having that, that parental education as well is, is key in knowing, you know, what's next and, um, you know, that continuous education on education as a parent. Absolutely. Yeah. And family education, understanding yeah. how, how you can support your child in school. Right. Um, there are some, some examples. Mathematics is probably the obvious <laughs> one where math, how we learned it, is yeah. different than how it's taught in schools most of the time now. And so we it. could be the obstacle by telling our child yeah. that's wrong. Right. Or we could be the partner that says, hey, help me understand what you're learning. <laughs> right. And we may learn something in the process, oh, yeah. too. Um, but that's our own experiences yeah, yeah, yeah. that are really different than our children's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Director Amani Reed, I, I appreciated this. Um, you know, I asked a lot of questions. You gave <laughs> a lot of answers, and I was just, I was just, I, I, I learned a lot. Um, and I know community learned a lot about USN, um, about independent schools, um, and about yourself. I think. Yeah, thank you. Um, so thank you for giving me the opportunity and being available to do this. Um, and it's custom. I want to leave the guests with the last word that closes out. Yeah. Um, it's been an honor to be here. Um, I'm so excited to be a part of the Nashville community, and I invite you to come come see oh, us I'm at coming. USN. I'm, I'm uh, we, we are a special place, <laughs> and, and I invite people who are watching the podcast or listening to us and however they get their content yeah. um, to think about independent schools, to think mm -hmm. about us, but I think most importantly, think about the, the, the difference that we're making in our right. communities. If there's a partnership opportunity, something you're thinking about, um, give us a Call. That's that's who we want to be. That's who we've always been, and that public purpose is a really important part of USN. Director Reed, so, thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you. All right.